sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello. Very happy Thursday to you all. We hope your uh, day is better than the weather. That your day is better than Eric's, I guess. It's another day in paradise, Um, RJ. Well, that's what you just told Adam the intern, didn't you? Yeah. You were just all giving glowing remarks about me, weren't you? They weren't about you. (laughs) (laughs) If they were about you, I don't know if they'd be glowing remarks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, grateful to have everybody along here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, Eric Franson on the friend. The fan, Eric Franson, is on that side. I was looking too many words ahead. Before. The Fran. I like that. The Fran. The Fran. It's Eric Franson on that side. I'm Andre Salveson here. Adam, the intern in studio with us, doing some great work in his research. Also, Gabby. Gabby does really good work. She's quiet. She looks, I mean, she's like Bill Belichick at the podium. I mean, it's like pulling her teeth at the dentist. She's just going to say what she needs to say. Yeah, she just, she, I mean... You ask her, and she gives you straight input, and it's about five words long. And so you're not sure if it was a dumb question, if she's having a bad day, or if that's how she is. So it took me like a weekend to finally figure out that that's how Gabby is. She had some great questions for us yesterday. Yeah, I game time with Gabby was phenomenal. that was interesting. Yeah, that was good. I she's getting really good at that. Now, if we could just get her to listen to our show, that'd be cool. <laughs> that that might be asking a lot, though. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, uh, Jazz last night uh, in just, I mean, they take care of business in in, uh, in dominating fashion over a Knicks team that looks, I don't know if, if lost is the correct word. Well, look, they didn't have their full roster. It is, it's, it's a team in disarray, has been most of the season. It, let me ask you something. They had the coaching change midseason. That's never a good thing. No. Let me ask you something, though. Do you feel I, – I feel like I blame the Knicks for this, though. The Knicks as a whole, the organization from James Dolan on down, right? They were banking on the fact that they were going to get the number one pick and get Zion Williamson. They were banking on the fact that they were going to get Kevin Durant to come to Madison Square Garden or Kyrie Irving or both. That's what their dream fantasy was. Kyrie Irving, Zion Williamson, and Kevin Durant all in one, one big package – Big red they were shooting for the moon. With wrapping with blue bow on it on top. And then all of a sudden, they end up with Taj Gibson. I mean, secondary players with the exception of, uh, is it John Morant? No, it's not John Morant. RJ Barrett. Barrett. Excuse me. And so, and then everybody, and then they're expecting everybody to feel pity for him. Because guess what? They're once again going to be a lottery pick team. That's the biggest problem. With uh, and this isn't a good lottery draft. No, no, there, not there's at all. no real consensus. Like, who are the great talents out there in this year's draft? Yeah, it's it's not there's very not good right a now. whole lot out there. So, in saying that, as you heard on uh, as you heard on this very station with Utah Jazz basketball, uh, Utah Jazz took care of business in big play from one person and himself. 
shuns the defender, bounces to O'Neal, comes off the 45 to the corner to Moutier for a corner three. It's good, and Emmanuel Moutier having quite a night against his former team tonight. New season high for him. Has 18 points on seven of 10 shootings, three rebounds, and three assists. And the night with 20 points. Yep, he did. He was absolutely phenomenal. Emmanuel Moutier coming off the bench. Was the Moody that we were hoping when we first got him in 25 minutes, headed 12 from the field, he was 2-4 from 3 and 2-5 from the charity stripe. Uh, he also, and he was a plus 9, which really, you know, I'm starting to figure out these plus minus things don't matter crap anymore. I'm, I'm going to throw it out the window. As you said, finishes with a uh, season high of 20 points, uh, had the 4 assists as well. Just phenomenal basketball from Moody. I feel like he's finally starting to get what his role is on the court, Eric. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And how Mike Connolly fits into this squad when he gets back, I don't know. It'll be interesting because Moutier has really come along. I think maybe sometimes earlier in the year. Now only a Domino's for seven. Sorry, Domino's is having a great deal. Earlier in the year, I had this craving for some Domino's. Dude, don't. Stop it. Now, earlier in the year, I think he was... Uh, a little more iso ball. If the ball comes to him, it was going to stay with him. He wasn't moving it around very much. I think he still has that a little bit. Um, but he doesn't really facilitate a lot of other guys around him. He's getting better. Um, but he he is understanding the team concept more. Because when he was at his other stops, they needed him to just do his thing. Because that was the only option. Yeah, that they was had. the only guy to go to. So... It, working within a team concept, and I think that's been, to some degree, those were some of the challenges earlier on with the Jazz. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich was a guy who was called on to do a lot for his Pacers team at the time when Victor Oladipo went down, so he was doing that. Uh, Mike Connolly was the main guy for the Grizzlies for a while. Uh, so I think it's taken this team a little bit of time to adapt to this team concept. And Quinn Snyder teams have historically struggled earlier in the year and when they get to December and January, really start to take off. And that's what this team has done, granted, against a softer schedule. But Emmanuel Moutier, here's a guy that um, has worked with the system. He's been working with the coaches. A lot of comments after the game about how he has uh, bought in to what Quinn Snyder wants him to do. And it's it's paying off. Granted, you're always going to play at another level when it's against a former team. But that's not necessarily an outlier to see how Emmanuel Moutier has been playing lately. No, that's a a really good point you bring up. Another guy who stood out to us and who stood out really all season long is uh, Bodjan Bodjanovic. Jazz run a play for Gobert. It's not there, so he kicks to the corner to Bogdanovic for a three. That's awesome. They Jazz run that play for Rudy Gobert. Knicks miss again at the rim. Rudy Gobert rebounds. Jazz by 27. With 8.45 left, they've let go of the rope. Here comes Donovan to the rim, and he'll smite a smash at the rim. David tries way too hard sometimes on those calls. Uh, no, phenomenal work from Bogdanovich, who finishes with 20 points as well, 4-10 from deep, 7-14 from the field in 26 minutes. He had three rebounds, three assists to add on. Donovan Mitchell, a very healthy 16 uh, 2-6 from deep, 6-11 from the field. He was in 25 minutes of basketball. And that's the other great thing is, I mean, there's 48 minutes of basketball. Donovan, nobody played over 30 minutes in the starting lineup. Bogdanovich uh, was 26. O'Neal played 29. Ingles 26, as is Gobert, and Mitchell was 25. That's what you really needed right there is just some chance for these guys to be able to get out early, sit on the bench, and rest their legs because they're back on the road. And it's another tough trip cut you're coming up. 
Right. I, I thought it was good to see um, Ed Davis get out there. We haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, how about that? He's been buried deep on the bench. Uh, I was surprised that um, he got pulled late in the game and that uh, Tony Bradley came back out. I thought that was interesting. Almost kind of, it tells you kind of the story, doesn't it, that what what's going through Quinn's head right now. Yeah, I, I didn't think that he was necessarily out of place or was doing things poorly, but Quinn Snyder and his staff saw something that I wasn't seeing and they pulled him and brought uh, Bradley back out. And then Bradley made some plays and got some rebounds and put put the ball back in. So there's a couple times on rotations you, defensively where I feel like Ed Davis got lost and I think you could hear Quinn Snyder actually through the boom mic if you call it uh where he kind of got after Ed not like in a emphatic way but got after Ed for not being right on the rotation or not making the right read defensively twice. And I think after that point they said, "You know what? Forget it. Let's go back to Bradley who by the way Bradley in 15 minutes Eric 6 or 7 from the field. He had uh 7 boards and 12 points. I mean, this guy, I'm telling you, I know we've talked about it numerous times, ad nauseum and in spade, but I'm really impressed with the progression that Tony Bradley has made. Yeah, me too. Uh, he's, because earlier in the year, I was like, why are the Jazz giving this guy minutes? But they had to, because Davis was hurt and Gobert was hurt. They had no other option, and they were getting killed whenever he was in the game. It's a different story now, and that goes to coaching and his desire to get better. So uh, that that was impressive. Actually, I don't know that I've seen somebody have a negative 33 oh and the plus gosh. minus. And there were multiple guys for uh, for the Knicks that had, I mean, Peyton oh, had dude, a negative it's... 33. Oh. Bullock had a minus 30. <laughs> RJ Barrett had a minus 23. <laughs> but contrast, Royce O'Neal is plus 35. Bogdanovich and Gobert had plus 33s. I mean... They were undermatched. Uh, New York just not very well coached. And the, the Jazz offensively were doing whatever they wanted to do. New York's not a good defensive team. And the Jazz looked like they just could do no wrong. And so it's a great win. Uh, fun for the fans. Keep the winning streak rolling. Give the starters a little extra break. Get some, uh, some of those bench guys more minutes. Uh, and get uh, some more tape on them, continue to evaluate them. But I, I thought the big thing was uh, how well the bench played. One, Go ahead. I just uh, You already mentioned Moutier. George Yang continues to play really, really well. Um, and, and Tony Bradley. I think those... Uh, and Clarkson didn't have a bad night. Wasn't as big as some of the nights that he's had, but he still ended up in double figures. So the Utah Jazz bench is continuing to improve. 128-104 is your final at uh, Vivian Smart Home Arena. Uh, Royce O'Neal, as you already mentioned, finished with eight. He was the lone starter to finish in single digits. Gobert had 16, Mitchell had 16, and Bogdanovich, as we already mentioned, had 20. Uh, George Yang had 11. Tony Bradley, as we already mentioned, had 12. Ed Davis had one. Nigel Williams-Goss actually got in for about four minutes. He had two points. Eric Moutier with 20. And Jordan Clarkson with 11 on 5 of 13 shooting. He was 1 of 6 from deep. RJ Tucker got some time in nine minutes, no points. He had one assist. 128-104 is your final in Vimus from Arena. Now, Jazz, get ready to uh, head back onto the East Coast before the, uh, they are uh, at home against Charlotte on Friday at 7 o'clock. Uh, you will not hear that game here on the station as Skyview Bobcats will be getting ready for Region 11 play. Sunday, uh, they are at Washington. That's a 1.30 start before they head to Brooklyn on Tuesday at 5.30. 
and then uh, at New Orleans to complete the road swing at 6 o'clock on Thursday, January 16th. Uh, Eric, overall, so far, uh, when you look, you know, it's I remember, what was it, two years ago when the Jazz went on this massive run and they only moved up like three spots in the, I know, maybe like a spot in the Western Conference. I mean, they went on this sick run. And I, I think they lost like three games. They might have been seventeen to three, in in a span of twenty games, and they went up one or two spots. They barely even budged. That's how legit good the Western Conference was. Now, the Jazz are now fifth in the Western Conference. They're twenty five and twelve. Uh, Nuggets beat the Mavericks, so that didn't help. Um, but the Mavericks dropped back a spot, um, so Jazz are now two games ahead of the Mavericks, essentially. Lakers, Nuggets, Rockets, Clippers all stand ahead of them right now. But you know, by a game, yeah, by that's exactly exact right. by a game, very very close. Uh, at least between the Nuggets and the Jazz, everything else is pretty separated from the Lakers. Uh, but do you feel like that's going to happen again, where the Jazz are going to make a great run beating poor teams, but yet getting no benefit from the teams above them in the Western Conference? It's possible, but the Jazz are taking advantage of the schedule that's in front of them. What happened last time when you talked about that run that they, they had, they were not only beating bad teams, but they are also beating pretty good teams. Yeah. And uh, they just really started rolling and gaining momentum. And um, start, people started to take them a little bit more seriously because before, they, we, we weren't sure what the Jazz team was going to be like. But can they gain continue to gain? Um, yes, for the another, another week, uh, week and a half? Yes, they can continue to, to pick up some steam. And then we talked about the uh, the death march that they have to go through for a solid month of playoff teams or teams with winning records. Uh, that's when we're really going to get a sense for how good this team is. Um, these games that they're playing now and picking up the wins, and yes, they have the longest winning streak in the NBA right now, and maybe not enough people are talking about it as they should, but... Um, this is this is a team that's figuring out their rotations. This is a team that's figuring out their bench. They're gaining confidence. They're learning how to win close games. All of that pays dividends when you start to get into more of the teeth of the schedule that's uh, that's ahead of them, starting at the end of January and through the entire month of February. Don't forget, NBA All-Star fan voting is still taking place. You can go to NBA.com and go to the All-Star selection and vote every single day. Now, this is why you need to be voting. Guess who is second in point guards in the Eastern Conference in the voting process for the All-Star by fans? In the Eastern Conference? Yep. Guess who's second? Um, I don't know. Kyrie Irving. Okay. The same guy who's missed over half the season. because guy he hasn't, hasn't played very much. <laughs> is now second in the East in the point guard, which means, by the way, he has a legit chance of starting right now. He And that he would be... I guess, he, I mean, he wouldn't start, but I guess he'd be maybe, because the reserves, right? They're voting on my coaches. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, you have your, the, the top vote getters act as captains, and then they pick their team regardless of Western Conference, Eastern Conference. And once you have the starters from there, the coaches pick the rest of the team. And then in the fan process of voting, guess who has now moved up to sixth in the all-star voting process overall in the Western Conference? Alex Caruso. What in the blind crap are we doing? <laughs> like, seriously, this guy who is wears a headband and can throw down one-handed dunks with his Adidas sneakers, 
is all of a sudden moving up in the fan voting all-star process. This is why the fans need to stay out of it. This is why the fans should not be allowed to be a part of the voting. Well, wasn't it Kevin Garnett that wanted to adjust it to say, yes, there should be a component of the fans because it is for the fans. But the players should also have a large component as to selecting. I agree. The fan, but the fans make it a joke. The fans make it a problem. Yeah, but come on. How else Alex do you do Caruso your, being in the how voting else do you process. Do your just, all-star selection. Do you leave it only to the coaches? Yes, coaches. The people who actually understand the game and the people who actually will not, you know, dink around about something else. Dink around with it because this is bad. Alex Caruso is sixth. Why? Because he plays for the Lakers. That is it. If he was playing for the Suns, no one would even pay a squad attention to him. No one would even care. It's major market bias. This is a huge problem for the NBA. But they take joy in it because, like you said, the bigger market guys are getting all the attention they want. Right, because they can. Except, I mean, but when you got Rudy Gobert, right, one of the best centers in the league? Nope. Can't even give him a sniff. <laughs> uh, he um, basically he made a comment, and I'm paraphrasing, that uh, somebody asked him about the All Star thing. He says, "Oh, I, I see what's on Twitter. I see how people are reacting," and he's basically resigned himself to the fact that he's not going to get in. He's right. He won't. Which is, yeah, if he does, great. But he's in a place mentally where he's like, you know what, I'm. I'm probably not going to get in. I'll tell you this. If Chris Bosh were to come back today, okay, and join the Miami Heat, and he also became a part of the fan process for voting. No, sorry, not the Heat. We'll put him a part of... The Raptors? No, make him a Western Conference team. Give me someone. Uh, Minnesota, Golden maybe. State. Yeah, there we go. Let's do Golden State. If Chris Bosh were to come back and be part of the Golden State Warriors and jump into the fan process for the All-Star voting... He would jump Rudy Gobert, and he'd probably end up in the top three. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> if Shaquille O'Neal came back in and jumped in, they he would end up first. Charles Barkley would end up first because the fans are stupid. Fans are dumb. They don't get it. Like Yao Ming played two it's games. A, it's a one popularity year, contest, and they wanted him in because China was had nothing else better to do but then sit on their computers and vote every single minute, every single hour, and push vote, vote, vote. It's and, a lot of people there to cast votes. Yeah, and they had nothing else to do, so they're like, let's let's vote, everybody. <laughs> hey, what are we doing for school today? Uh, we're gonna be voting for Yao Ming for the next hour and a half. That's what your all job is. I mean, it's it's unreal. Anyway, so I so that's my little platform that I stand but, on. Uh, all-star games are exhibitions. They are for the fans. So, fan voting, in my mind, should absolutely continue to be a part of it. You're going to play the players that people want to see. Well, they're going to... Okay, great. You're going to see them for one game and then I'll see them for the rest of the season. <laughs> Kyrie's going to be like, all right, well, I got my all-star vote, got my money, got my bonus, I'm out. They did that with Magic Johnson. Okay, that was different. That was entirely different. Why? We're talking he didn't about play. And all of a sudden, said, "Okay, dude, we're gonna." We're talking about an we're gonna illness. put him in there. No, because he didn't play during that '92 season. But it was like it was an honorary thing, right? Dirk Nowitzki was not good enough to be in the All Star game last year. He got that, you know, feel good vote 
so we could honor him at the all. Michael Jordan. He and Dwayne Wade. Yeah, and Michael Jordan when he in, in 03. Was it 03? I think it was. When he w- was with the Wizards. Wizards in his final year. Dude, he sucked. And he still got a vote. In fact, I think he was the largest vote getter. It's a popularity contest. They still want to see him there. He, he gets eyeballs. He gets TV viewers. No one's going to watch what the on NBA TV. Wants. That's what the NBA wants. They want eyeballs. It's just, it's, it's a trap. I, I don't know what's a bigger embarrassment to sports. The Pro Bowl or the NBA All-Star Game? The Pro Bowl. This is after the season. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to get hurt, and it's that's okay. Why do they even have? That's exactly now. Take those three elements and put that into the All Star game. Just do like an All Conference, like a All American that college does. Here's our here's our professional team. These are the guys that are the best at these positions. Congratulations! You get a plaque on your wall. We'll put it in the publications. Um, There you go. No, but congratulations. so, So take the two elements that you just said. No one cares, and no one wants to get hurt and put that into the All-Star game, right? Because no one does care about the All-Star game. No one does. No one gives a crap. Like, the one time where they scored like 100, and, what was it, Adam, the intern, like 160 points? Oh, they scored 160 like to 150, close to 200. 70. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Because nobody played defense, nobody cared, and nobody wanted to get hurt. By the second quarter, everybody was bored. It's boring. I miss 1993 when people actually cared. <laughs> I remember in that game, Gordon Hayward went out there, was trying to play a little defense. Defense, yeah. The guys are like, dude. Back off. <laughs> I think someone actually yelled at him from the bench, if I'm not mistaken. Let me jack up another really bad three-point shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is. It's an embarrassment. I think one time I was on fast break, and Steph Curry was on the other end, and this was in the second half. And Steph Curry actually just like laid on the floor and let the guy go for an open dunk. And That's why I think the slam dunk competition, the three-point shootout, those are more interesting to me than the All-Star game itself. I miss – I mean, they got to find a way to make them like – maybe you get like a, a an eight-point shot, a nine-point shot, you know, a five-point shot, something like that. May, I mean, maybe the, maybe the winning conference, they get a million each. Because, I mean, it's just – it's a joke. And it's embarrassing I mean, to the Tweaking NBA. it to have a team – LeBron versus Team Curry or whatever, or Team Giannis. Um, I think that's interesting. It helps a little bit. It helps bit. a little bit because it's not East versus West, uh, and it's very mixed. But, um, yeah. I, I would be surprised if there's not a Jazz man on an all-star roster. Either Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, or both. Well, Rudy's not making it. So but I'm, I would be surprised if there's Donovan. not one of them yeah, that I'll, makes it this year. I'll say Donovan makes it. Yeah, I think Donovan definitely makes it now because Steph Curry's out, Clay Thompson's out. But I'll tell you this. If Alex Caruso, and so help me, if Alex Caruso finishes ahead of Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> I'm going to go off on Remember, the fans. Remember, your vote counts twice on January 10th. Keep Great. that in mind. So Alex Caruso is going to go from six to four. <laughs> that's wonderful. Maybe. Because that's what's going to happen. That's what happens when you're on a big team with a big fan base. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. Uh, coming back, we got a lot to get into. Mike Leach and the Washington State Cougars were headed to Utah State next year. Mike Leach isn't coming. So where is he going? 
And the Mountain West uh, Conference has made a media change. It no longer is at ESPN. So long, they're headed elsewhere and to two different networks, both of them really good. Is it? Is it? We'll debate that coming up. 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Aljay Salas at 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, 428. Your time here on the Full Court Press. Grateful to have you all along joining us. Remember, you can text into our show. 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. You can call into our show, 435-752-1069. That's 435-752-1069. Again, our text line is 435-339-0321. You can text in at any point in time. Your message and data rates do apply as to your per contract to your service. So if you have unlimited text messaging, you can send as many texts as you wish. That's great. Wonderful. Uh... Eric. Ajay. Mike Leach, uh, one of the more fascinating coaches in college football. Maybe ever, to be honest with you, just because of his ability to go on weird tangents. <laughs> uh, is yes. uh, is uh, leaving Washington State to go to Mississippi State. Surprised? Shocked? Reactions? Yes, on both. I am both surprised and shocked. He was having success at Washington State, maybe not always in the running for the Pac-12, but he competed. But isn't that what success is? Yeah. I mean, he, he got him to nine straight bowl games, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, he was going to go down to one of the winningest coaches in Washington State history. But at the end of the day, you're going to get more money, get more exposure, better recruits when you're in the SEC. You know, Mike Leach, and, and I think if anything, Washington State's going to miss him for the reasons you just mentioned. He went 55 and 47 in his eight seasons in Pullman. Uh, he took to the he took the uh, Cougars to a school record uh, five consecutive bowl games. Oh, five consecutive over the past five seasons. Uh, he led him to a number 10 ranked uh, national, I guess, nationally ranked 10th to end the season for the Washington State uh, Wild Cougars, excuse me, not Wildcats, Cougars. Uh, but then this year they go 6 and 7 and they lose to Air Force and the Cheez Bowl. So is it the fact that Mike Leach realized that he couldn't win in the Pac 12 and realized that maybe have a better chance winning in the SEC, which is crazy to say, I know. But, I mean, look, Chris Peterson owned Mike Leach. Owned him. And, uh, in fact, I, ha- I have to look up what his record was for Chris Peterson, but I know it was a losing record, and it wasn't very good. Um, but, I mean, for but for Washington, you got to look at the, you know, pre-Leach era. And, and for that, Washington State didn't appear in a bowl game for eight straight seasons. In fact, it just won nine games. Only nine games in four years under the previous coach, Paul Wolf. So there's an issue there. The fact that he's willing to leave and that you let him go despite the success that he brought you on, 
But, you know, at Texas Tech, Mike Leach was a god. I mean, he was 84 and 43 for nine years in Red Raider Nation. And I can, well, never mind. I'm well, say that, but. Yeah, I mean, he had, uh, he had success. There were some bumps along the road and maybe some warts while he was there at Texas Tech. Uh, then he went to Washington State, innovative, got people's attention, um, developed some NFL talent out of it. Certainly the local kid uh, had success there. In um, all of a sudden, his name I'm blanking on his name, Luke Falk. Thank you. Um, and uh, so there's a, there's a connection. Uh, he was uh, he's got connections to the state of Utah beyond that, where he started his coaching career uh, in the state of Utah. So there's a lot of people that are kind of keeping an eye and have, have watched Mike Leach closely. And uh, uh, why would you leave the leave Pullman to go there? I don't know, it seems kind of out of the blue, but Rocky Long deciding to step down at San Diego State was out of the blue. Chris Peterson deciding to step down at Washington, out of the blue. The state of Washington is going to have two new head coaches at their two premier schools. So there's a lot of stuff that's kind of odd out there with coaching all of a sudden here, IJ. But I think at the end of the day, Man, he was presented with an opportunity to go to the premier conference. I think you could argue the SEC is the premier football conference to compete on the biggest stages against the, the, some of the premier schools and be a disruptor there. He was a disruptor in the Big 12. Uh, he was a disruptor in the Pac-12. And now he can be a disruptor in the SEC. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a guy with his... Uh, with his track record that's going to go in there and compete to win the SEC. But he's going to make it very interesting. He's a three-time big, uh, or th- sorry, three-time coach of the year in their conference. Big 12 in 2008. In 2015, he was the Pac-12. And in 2018, he was once again the Pac-12 coach of the year. His best seasons were in all weight with Texas Tech when he had the 11 wins. They finished ninth in the country. And in 2018, when they finished seventh in the country, he has a total career wins of 139. That ranks 81st. And the Bull wins, uh, he has seven. That ranks 34th. Uh, his win loss percentage uh, ever since he left has, has been, ever since he left Texas Tech, hasn't been really great. It's about 607 right now. Uh, his Bull game tenure or his Bull game record is absolutely horrendous, to be honest with you. Um, he's, in fact, in fact, as of late with Washington State, he wasn't really good, including losses to New Mexico in 2013 and to Air Force in the Cheese Bowl. He also lost in the Holiday Bowl two years in a row and won the Alamo Bowl just one season ago. You know what I'm looking actually looking forward to, though? Is Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin in the Egg Bowl. You know what would be interesting? What if, now that Mike Leach is going to Mississippi State, what I if I know he, where you're going with this. What if he brings Rocky Long along That's as his defensive coordinator? That's what I knew you were going to say. How did I know that was coming out of your mouth? You'd have an innovative offensive guy with a really hard-nosed defensive guy. That would be a really interesting combination. Those two would be oil and water, I'm sure, in the office. Oh, yeah. Well, just but can you imagine what that team self, would look man. like? Because yeah. that was always the knock on Leach is that he never had a, a care about defense. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's 100% right. Um, And by the way... I, I hope Media Day features on one day. I just want the football gods to smile upon us all and say on Media Day, we're going to get Nick Saban and Mike Leach back-to-back. 
That's that's all I'm asking for. That would be what everybody needs here. Because honestly, Pullman's not a big big town at all, and it's no not a very big metro either. So my question now becomes this: Do With Washington being where it's at, Washington State being where it's at, and Urban Meyer not having a job, do you still see Urban Meyer going to the NFL? Or do you think that there's a college job that maybe attracts him? I don't know. I don't know that if if the allure of the NFL is there for Urban, I'm sure he's had opportunities. Uh, on one hand, if you go to the NFL, all you need to worry about is coaching football. You don't need to worry about recruiting. You don't need to worry about compliance. You don't have to worry about, are your kids in school? Are they going to the classes? Are they in their rooms uh, when they're supposed to be? Granted, there's a lot of other things you have to worry about with drug testing and dealing with grown men with agents and a lot of other stuff. But with college, you have he can go out there and get 20 first-round picks. Where if he's in the NFL, he maybe you know, gets a handful if he's lucky. So there's advantages to both. Uh, there's cons to both. But I, I, he's had so much success at the college game, I, I'd be surprised to see if he went to the NFL. And I just don't think there's anything that's attractive in the NFL. What, the Browns and Baker Mayfield? Dallas is not an attractive lure for me. No. If I'm Urban Meyer. No. I, yeah, I don't. I don't see it. I think that the NFL game is evolving to be more like a college style. We're seeing a lot of teams adopt more and more of that. So I think he could come in and maybe have a little more success now than if he did it five years ago, six years ago, even two years ago. But I agree. I think he's at a point in his career that he can be very selective about what he wants to do next, either the pros or at the college level. It's got to be right. It's got to be the right booster base, the right recruiting already underway. He's going to want to step into something that he can win now. Or he steps in and he just looks like a magician. He's not going to come in and try to turn around a, a bad program. He'll go into a program that is underachieving, but they have the talent, they have the resources, and he can come in and do Urban Meyer things and make it work. Again, Mike uh, Mike Leach is headed to Mississippi State, leaving behind Washington State Cougars. Uh, now Washington State's looking for a coach at a really <laughs> kind of an awkward time because early, no, it's not early, but recruiting time, or recruiting signing period comes up in, in February. Mm-hmm. So you've got a month to find a coach, get him in, and help start recruiting immediately and get a staff too. Right, you got to salvage what's out there. And the name I keep hearing that gets dragged around every now and then is Brian Harson. That's the name that I've seen today. Another one I've seen is another one that the people in the Mountain West should be familiar with, Jim McElwain. He was at Colorado State for a little bit, um, but uh, he's got ties to the Pacific Northwest. So, Good stuff. Mike Leach headed to Mississippi State. Man, I'm going to miss his media days with the Pac-12. They were so good. I got so oh, we're just going to hear more of it I now that he's wait. in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to go to break. Coming back, we got to get to our Legion, Region 11 preview. Uh, and get you ready for some Region 11 basketball, which starts tomorrow night. 
Derek France and I'm Audrey Salveson, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Grow up. Grow up. Trying to do my job here. Eric France and Andre Salas of Full Court Press 442. Possible. <laughs> okay, Mr. Athletic. You've never tried to do a layup and like let the rim reject you. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> keep it keep it <laughs> quiet. It may or over may there. not happen on a regular basis. And you're being a bad example to our intern. A really bad example. Actually, to our independently, intern. he decided to independently Wants paper and throw it at you on his own yeah, i remember when we were first about to get the interns you told me that exemplary is everything that was your quote and i said i understand <laughs> and so i've been doing my very best to be professional in my behavior and in my words and in my deeds and my thoughts and i've done really good but you on the other hand sir you need to grow up i don't know how i threw that right at the computer screen though that's amazing <laughs> that's talent by the way you have to try to do that <laughs> Hey, speaking of talent, we got one of our own here joining us on the Full Court Press to talk Bear River basketball as we get you ready for Region 11 basketball, which starts tomorrow night. Big one, an absolutely spicy one. As Skyview heads to uh, Garland to take on the Bear River Bears. And joining us right now here on the Full Court Press is Tommy Sorensen, the uh, play-by-play voice, soothing tones on 104.9 The Ranch. Tommy, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Talent is a, a bit of a stretch there, but uh, I'm happy to be on with you guys. Talent or not talent. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> I've been told by Eric that you are probably one of the best ever to touch the radio waves uh, in cash. And I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I've heard you and I just think you're great. Uh, Tommy, let's start here. You he must be buttering you up for like a loan or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't make that much money, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tommy, uh, this Bear River team has been quite the surprise so far. Two kind of interesting losses, but overall, what have you seen so far in non-region play from the Bear River Bears? Yeah, well, I, I think that's what I've seen is, is two things. One, uh, I think it's pretty fair to say the team is not quite as good as the team that they had last year. Last year, But I think that they've proven that there's a lot of heart and there's some energy and there's some desire with this team. Um, They've they've had some some close games. They've had some tough games. They went on a, a road trip a couple of weeks ago, picked up uh, two of their three losses in that one three game stretch. Um, but they've had a couple of games where things haven't gone right, and they've still been able to pull out a win. Um, their last game against Tooele to close non-region play, I think, is an example of that. There was whistles that they weren't agreeing with. They couldn't hit shots that they normally get. Um, Tooele's defense really stepped up in the second half, and Bear River just made a couple of plays that ended up being the difference. Um, so they might not have as much talent as everyone else or as the, they, they would hope they have maybe, but I think they've got a chance to make a run in region play. Uh, this is a, a team with some returning guys that uh, were part of that deep run that they made a year ago, uh, notably led by Mark Huber. He seems to be having a great year so far. Talk a little bit about him and, and some of the other uh, leaders on this team right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it it, it all starts with with Huber, um, averaging what is it, twenty five points a game, something like that. Uh, a great player. What's 
incredible to me is uh, a couple things. One thing in particular he does is he seems to have a great understanding of the flow of a basketball game. Uh, he is happy to step back and let his teammates do things when when things are going well for him, when the team is playing him tough. If he's not getting the shots, he lets other guys take advantage. But he also recognizes when the game is maybe slipping away or when a little bit of aggression is needed. Um, kind of a, a signature play for him is a defensive rebound. He sprints up the court at full speed and then pulls up for a leaning three-pointer. And <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that you would classify it as a good shot, but it's one that he makes almost every time it feels like. And it's always, always in a critical situation. Um, he just knows how to get plays or get buckets when the team needs them. And it's a big reason why they've won as much as they have and why they've been as competitive as they have. Um, but I think a compliment to him is not necessarily his scoring. I think that's clear if he's one of the best scoring guards in the state. But it's his what he does elsewhere on the court. In particular, his rebounding. He actually leads the team in defensive rebounds as the main scoring guard. And uh, in total rebounds, he's only two off of what uh, Lichford, the big man, does. Like he's he's right there in in the thick of things, getting rebounds every game and getting production like that on the boards from a guard is critical for a team, especially one that is uh, maybe a tad undersized like this one is. Brent Fonsbeck and other guys come through from a returning uh, player from last year's runner-up state champion uh, basketball team, uh, averaging just over 15.5 points per game. Uh, what are you seeing from the supporting cast? And it seems like, you know, last year Coach Hunt played only six guys, one coming off the bench of Logan Litchard. What have you seen so far from the bench play uh, and the supporting cast for Mark Huber and the Bears? Yeah, well, you know, uh, Fonsbeck's not a bench guy, but I, I do want to make sure I mention how, how important he has been to the team playing with aggression, uh, he's the one who's often taken advantage when he was getting double teamed. So Fonsbeck as a starter has been a hugely impactful guy. But the bench has been uh, has been put in a tough situation um, a couple of weeks ago, right before they started that road trip that was clearly the toughest part of their non-region schedule. They lost uh, Case Jones, Bucket Jones, as everyone calls him. He uh, hurt his ankle in practice. It looks like he might be out for the season. He's actually, he's going to be out for a while at the least. Uh, and he was, he's still the leading rebounder in terms of per game production, um, a huge loss. And it's put a bunch of young kids into uncomfortable situations where they've had to step up. Uh, and there, you know, there's been mixed results as you would expect when sophomores are playing in, in situations like this. But I think overall the bench seems to be figuring out what they're supposed to do. And most importantly, how they can contribute. One one thing that I stood out to me a couple of weeks ago in a game, uh, Jace Jacobson is their, I guess, kind of their default backup uh, big, and he's actually started a few games now with Jones' injury. There was a, a JV game prior to the varsity game a couple of weeks ago, and the JV team was down by two late in the game. They had a play. The ball swung to Jacobson in the corner for a, a three that would have been the game winner, and he missed it. Uh, you could see the, the disappointment on his face. He was he was bummed. The JV team steps off. The, the varsity comes on. They're playing their game. About midway through the second quarter, Jacobson subs in, and uh, Coach Shaw drew up a play. Huber inbounded it. The ball swings around to Jacobson in the corner in almost the exact same spot in the that corner three and knocked it down. And maybe it was a coincidence, but to me it looked like Coach Shaw 
recognized his talent and his ability and his potential and drew up a play that got him that shot is kind of a, an affirmation that he has the ability to hit it. Um, and in that game down in Tooele last week, Jacobson made uh, a couple of buckets early in the game in crucial moments, but more critically, down the stretch, he knocked down six straight free throws in that game as Tooele was hitting, was scoring on the other end every possession. And it was this, this sophomore stepping up, knocking down the shots that was able to extend the, the lead and, and help them pull out that win. And so that's one example, but I think it was indicative of the the confidence that Coach Shaw has in these bench kids and an example of them responding and performing well. Uh, Tommy, this is a team um, that's 9-3. Uh, and three. They've had a great uh, run so far, getting up to reach and play. Number five overall in the state with the RPI. And a big showdown with Skyview, who's number one team in the state right now. Uh, I know you probably haven't had a chance to really scout Skyview much because you've been following the Bears. But this is, a, this is a big showdown between two of the best teams in the region to get things started. Uh, how important is this game for Bear Ever to get this started off on the right foot for them? Um, well... <laughs> The uh, um, let's see, how do I say that? Maybe the correct answer is that it doesn't actually matter that much. I mean, they lost to Skyview twice in region play last year and still made the run. Uh, in terms of standings and setting themselves up for where they want to be at the end of the season, there's you know, one game, even the game against this opponent, isn't going to matter that much. But for the psyche, for the emotion of the team, pulling out a win or even being like competitive until the end of this one would do wonders for this team. They, they've had a, some, some dips and you could see the way they played the kind of the low point of the season was that game that box elder at the end of a rough, rough week, they lost one of their starters, lost a game already. They were feeling disappointed and were exhausted, really struggled, but have bounced back with some good wins. Starting region play with the win over this Skyview team would be amazing for this the squad, especially with the young guys that they're working in. Uh, so I, I think the, the the right answer is that like it doesn't actually matter that much, but I think it could matter a ton if they get the win. Awesome. Well, Tommy, thank you so much. Hey, before we go and uh, let you go, how can Bear River fans or Region 11 fans all around uh, tune into your broadcast? Uh, we're 104.9 um, on your radio dial every, every game. We go live about 15 minutes before is, is typically what we do. Uh, so catch us there for the games afterwards. We have a conversation with Coach Shaw every week. Uh, he comes up and, and, or every game, he comes up and talks to us about what happened. And then we also have a, a coach's show Mondays at 6. Uh, you can listen on 104.9 or also on the Facebook Live. Awesome, Tommy. Thanks for your time. Great. Appreciate it, man. Good luck tomorrow night. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, this is a Bear River team that uh, had a great run last year. Uh, even though they were a little undersized, they played to their strengths. And I think that's kind of a similar story we're hearing, again, for this season. Uh, it's a good start to the year and a big showdown to get reach and play started on Friday. The thing I think they missed the most, though, Eric, is their physicality from Parker Coombs, right? And Wyatt Rollhole is a guard. Even he was an undersized guard, but he was just so physical going to the rim. Parker Coombs was physical as a post player. And I, I think that's something that they... I feel like they're going to miss come come region play. Green Canyon's a physical team. Skyview obviously is a physical team. 
Uh, I still think they can compete. I just, I don't know. Mason Faltov is, is a different animal, and they had some of the best defensive, I had best defenders in the 4A class last year, and they still couldn't shut him down. We'll see what happens tomorrow Did Mark Huber and uh, Faltov, do they guard each other? They go head-to-head? Or they, they slightly different positions? You know, it just depends. Uh, there's times last year when Mark would, would face up. In fact, if I remember right, I think this was at Skyview. Uh, Mason pulled up on a left wing three. It was deep, and he hit it. So on the other side, Mark pulled up on the exact same spot, opposite side of the score, hit his, and they both just kind of smiled at each other, tapped each other on the head, and then they went back their separate ways, and then Mark didn't guard him the rest of the game. So it kind of depends on in, in that regard. Mason's a little bigger. Yes, he is. A little bit bigger and than he's Mark. he's got more size, and he's a little bit quicker than Mark, too, which is a problem when he's going to the hoop. Uh, well, either way, it's going to be a fun showdown between those two guys uh, with how they carry their teams tomorrow. Again, uh, that'll be here on this station. You'll hear it. Uh, Hurricane John Newbold will have his uh, coverage of the game, and then uh, Tommy will have his version on 104.9 in Box Shelter County. Pre-game coverage for both starting at about 645 tomorrow. We'll wrap up the full-court press, hour one.